Okay, reading from 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, starting at verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. Thank you that you're the only true living God that hears our prayers. And we thank you that we have a faithful mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, who mediates for us, who intercedes for us, and also prays for us. But Father, help us now to, to put aside any worldliness that is in our hearts, any um, fears, anxieties. Help us now to try and really focus on what you have to say to us through your word, what your spirit has to say to us through the sacred scriptures. Help me, Father, to be clear and understood. And again, I just, I just thank you that um, you are a great and awesome God. Thank you that you are the one that out of your love chose us to be your children. You first started with Israel, a nation, and then through them you, you sent the true Israel, Jesus Christ, to save us, to rescue us from the wrath to come. And we thank you for his death on the cross. We thank you for his blood that was shed. Thank you for sending him into this world to save us, to redeem us, to justify us. Because we know it's all he's doing that we know you. So Father, we thank you and praise you now for this morning. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to continue with Love Not the World. And um, this little passage is such a strong warning to Christians about not loving the world. And we need to ask ourselves the question, and it's important, how much of the world is in you? How much of the Father is in you? Or do you love the world more? Or do you love our Heavenly Father more? And the world, yeah, if you want to hear more of the introduction and the next point that I'm going to recap, go listen to last week's sermon and it's fleshed out more. So there's quite a lot to cover um, in this passage. And I was thinking of breaking it up into two Sundays. Lord willing, I can finish off this passage this morning. I think this is a serious passage and we, and we all need to examine our hearts to see if we are really loving the Father with all our heart, soul, mind and strength or are we loving the world with all our riches and, 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 and material things and pride and, and whatever we have, our talents, etc. Who do we really love? And we'll soon find out when everything is stripped from us. But it's important to know that this word world in 1 John chapter 2 has a very dark meaning. It's not the physical world, but it's, it stands for everything that hates God's truth. 
does not recognize Jesus as his, and, and his teachings and hates the people who follow Jesus. And remember, John is writing to Christians here who think they know Jesus, but they only know God. There's a lot of people that, that love God out there, but as soon as you want to talk to them about Jesus, they are anti-Jesus. And we will hear more about that, Lord willing, next week about anti-Christ, anti-Jesus. So there's people that love God. But they don't recognize Jesus and his teachings. They don't want to know his truths. And so remember, this is not just the world that I'm talking about, unbeliever. I'm also talking about people that profess to know God and to know Jesus. But they only, offer, offer, they only honor him with their lips. But their heart is far away. So, and, and one thing we must be reminded of, that we are all susceptible to temporary worldliness. And the only way that we can push worldliness out of our heart, loving the world out of our heart, is if we are in the Scriptures daily and we align God's Word to transform our minds. Or we are seeking the things above. We are setting our minds on the things above, not on the things on earth. We have to be in the Scriptures. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That is our daily food. We have physical food for health reasons, energy, etc., etc. But there is a spiritual food so that we keep on that narrow road. We keep doing God's will. And this passage here that I'm going to look at, it, to not love the world, warns us do not love the world. Isn't God gracious and, and, and compassionate and loving to give us these warnings? Who's, who wants to stand in front of a God one day and then he says to us, why did you do this? And because he did this, you cannot welcome into my place. But God, why didn't you tell me? God always warns us. Because he's a loving caring, gracious, merciful, kind God. Great in goodness, great in kindness. We need to hang on to these truths, these attributes of our God. Because no other God has these attributes. No other God. And I think it's about time we Christians started standing up against these other worldviews in love. And we re refute them and rebuke them and correct them in gentleness and love and, 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 and do it in a way that we can point them to the cross. It's easier to love the world because we see it, we see everything in it. But it's so much harder to love the Father because we don't see Him. It's easy to love the things that are before our eyes, but love the things that are not, it is hard. That's why we all gravitate towards what we can see. But I personally think if Jesus was here walking this earth, I don't think it would change much in our attitude. Because we underestimate the power of Satan and the power of this world. That the pull it has over our hearts. So before we come to our second thing, to, to warn us about not loving the world, let's just recap on our first thing. And within our first thing, I had three sub-points, which I've got to still finish two of them, which we will see when we come to the...
this first thing. And the first thing to help us to not love the world is what the world does to us. And that was explained in, in verses 15 to 16 of 1 John chapter 2. Do we Christians know what the world does to us if we love the world? It does exactly what it wants to do. It crowds out the love of the Father in our hearts. That's one of the reasons why we cannot love the world. To love the world is to push God our Father off the throne and put the world on the throne in our hearts. We are warned. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So it works the same thing. You cannot love the world and love God at the same time. We have a choice to make, like Joshua. Me and I will serve the Lord. You cannot serve the Lord and the things of this world. But it's not saying we cannot have things in this world. It's not saying we cannot enjoy the things that come from this world. But it's, it's the philosophies, it's the worldviews. It's, it's do I love the teachings of the world? Do I love the world's philosophies more than God's truth? Especially when it comes to sensitive topics like transgender, homosexuality. Can a Christian marry a non-Christian? Do we follow the world in our answers? Or do we follow the scriptures alone? And hear what God has to say to us. Not what we say from within our subjectivism or our feelings and our emotions. So the world thing is a hard problem. That's why, again, we need to be in the Scriptures. Because the, the love of the world just pushes out the love of the Father. And if we love the Father, then we're going to push out the love of the world. And we will want less of the worldly things. Now listen to more what I have to say about the problem with loving the world is a hard problem. And I read through Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 20 to 23, where Jesus says what comes out of our heart that defiles us and not what we put in. And, and the things that come, come out of our heart is murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. That's, that's if we're loving the world more, that's going to come out. And if we're more loving the Father more, we will see it will see less of those things coming out of our hearts. Like I said, I'm not saying that the world God made is bad, and now we can't live in this world. No, we know from 1 John chapter 17 that Jesus prayed the high priestly prayer that even though they're not of the world, don't take them out of the world. Just protect them. Pray for them. It's how we relate to the things in this world that make things worse. How we treat these things. We cannot love the world and love the Father at the same time. And John is, is so wise. This, this, this old man, 80 years old, giving us these instructions and, and telling us in verse 16, for all that is in the world, he doesn't get into all this stuff. Like, explaining and and he just says three things 
the desires of the heart, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. Guess what? It's not from the Father. It is from the world. And if this is in your heart, then you might not have the Father in your heart. You might not have eternal life. And you might not be a child of God. Examine your heart. Who is in your heart? The Father or the world? It doesn't get caught up in all the, the, the people's, you know, oh, God's a loving God and He really loves us and He understands if we love the world a little bit more. God's a God of love. No. God is a God of wrath. Okay? And He hates sin. And we must be aware that, 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 that if you are practicing sin, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. We need to, we need to embrace these truths and we need to live them. You can't footsie-footsie around God's Word. You're either embracing these truths and you're in Christ, you cannot sit on the fence. You're either off the fence or you're on the other side of the fence. You cannot have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Both are in the world either or both are in the church. This whole thing that, that you're a fence-sitter is not true. You're either a Christian or you're not a Christian. And we need to show the world that we serve a great God. And it's amazing that John, John is taking these three things, and I agree with what some of the commentators say, he's looking at, back at what happened in the Garden of Eden. All these three things came up with Eve and Adam. And I haven't got time to read, I read it last week. You're welcome to go listen to that first point, and I fleshed it out more. Because what happened in the garden was not from God, but from the world, the devil. And the same is happening here in John 3. It's not from God, it's not from the Father, it is from the world. And the first thing that we looked at under the heading, what the world does to us, was the desires of the flesh. And I'm just going to recap just a few sentences. Yeah, the desire comes from within. That's amazing. The desires of the flesh start within. That's why it's a heart problem. When selfish cravings are pursued or praised for our own pleasure or satisfaction, that is loving the world. John is not saying we cannot have pleasure. John is saying we, 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 we can have pleasure and we can enjoy this world. But when it comes for self-gratification, self-satisfaction, if it feeds my ego, my pride, and it feeds my heart, and it's all pleasure for my pleasure, and not for God's glory, there's something wrong with it. If I desire something, do I desire God in that something as well? So it's so important that to focus desire of the flesh on the world rather than on our Father is to focus on what could never satisfy. We were looking at the desires of the flesh and the only way we can overcome the desires of the flesh is if we put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Paul writes to the Church of Rome in chapter 13. It's a, it's a spiritual battle. People that make light of Christianity and say it's a breeze and it's easy, I have to say this, they don't know the gospel. There's a lot of people out there today, and I don't know why I'm saying this, 
more than the norm, but there's a lot of people out there that profess to be Christian, and then you hear them talk, and they don't know the gospel, because the gospel is about our Heavenly Father, what He has done for us, what He has given to us through His Son, by His Spirit, and that cost Him. And we need to know that blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now we can move on to the second something under what the world does to us. And that's the desires of the eyes. John mentions that in verse 16. He said the desire of the flesh and then he moves to the desires of the eyes. The desires of the flesh is what starts internally. The desires of the eyes what is now outside and that comes into your heart. Yeah, we move to desires or cravings that come from our eyes. What our eyes see that leads to envy and covetousness and jealousy, etc. The world is always going to look beautiful. That's what God created is good. Of our whole body, our eyes are the parts most susceptible to sin. The devil wants our eyeballs wide open to all that is worldly. He wants us to covet all that is opposed to God, whether it is ungodly status, success, pursuits, possessions, or people. And this is what happened to Adam and Eve. It was their downfall. God had forbidden them to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when the woman saw, you hear that? When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to her eyes, she took off its fruit. Eve disobeyed God's one command, and that was, shall not eat from the tree of, of knowledge of good and evil, otherwise you will surely die. That's why we must be careful. It's, they, they, it's, it's, I'll just use this as a random example. You know you can only afford X amount to buy a new car. And maybe it's a model, a Volkswagen model. But no, you want that, um, say, BMW. And you know that, oh, you can talk, you know, the, the budget will be squeezed and, and the Lord will provide. And, and you've just seen these beautiful BMWs. And now you've forgotten about the Foxy or the the Volkswagen model. And what does the eyes do? They just, just, just want you to see that BMW. You just you get, I don't know, your eyes just start seeing BMWs every time you are in your car. And you, it doesn't matter what your bank balance is. You're going to go out there and you're going to go for it. And you will say, you know, God will take care of the rest. He provides. You put your family under strain. You put your children under strain. You may be going to spur once a month. Now you don't go at all because now all that money is going into pain. The, 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 the debt for the car, the car repayments. You know, Satan is crafty. This world is powerful because what happened to Jesus is going to happen to us. He too was tempted by the same tempter who tempted Adam and Eve in the garden and through the same means. One of my lectures at BI said, Satan is an idiot. And you must remember that. Whenever something happens to you, remember Satan is an idiot. Why do we follow him? We don't normally follow idiots. 
But we follow him and we listen to him and we bow down to him because he's the one that came to Jesus in the wilderness and tempted Jesus. He took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms. He showed him, look Jesus, look all the kingdoms and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I mean, wow. He's, he's, he's telling Jesus, the Son of God, I'm more powerful than you. I control this world. I'm going to give you everything. I think Jesus was stupid. I think he didn't see right through him. But remember, Jesus was truly man and truly God. He had temptations to fight as truly man. That's why the Spirit came upon him at his baptism to help him. There were temptations. He was tempted in all things, yet without sin. And yet one of them is happening right before our eyes. But what did Jesus do? He closed his eyes on these strong seductions. He refused to desire those delights dangled before him. He resisted. Be gone, Satan. And you know, good Afrikaans word. I'm not saying that. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. That is Jesus. Knowing Scripture, the Holy Spirit bringing Scripture to his heart, to his mind, and telling Satan, be gone. This is the reason why I'm telling you to go. Tell Satan. Take Scripture. Because Scripture tells us, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And we too are going to have things thrown in front of our eyes. Turn on the television. Look at the adverts. Look at all the, the lovely National Geographics and, and all these lovely places that you can go visit. These isolated islands and everything. It's tempting. You want to sometimes just pack up and go. Pack up and go rather live on an island away from everybody. Again, we want to, we want to get away from the world. But Jesus has kept us in this world for a specific reason, and that is to be a salt and light. To share the gospel. You just got to walk through the shopping malls. You just got to go to the supermarkets. There's not only people dressed all fancy, but there's also all the stuff in these shops and in the malls that get to our eyes, get to our hearts. And we know when we die, you can take nothing with us. The only thing you can take with you to heaven is your character. And the only, other, the only other thing you can take with you to heaven is if you've witnessed to your children, your children, Lord willing, will eventually arrive there as well. Again, we've got to go to Scripture. And we've got to allow Scripture to help us. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We must resist the evil one and stand firm in our faith. Stand firm like a rock. And it's not always Satan that's going to tempt us. It's also the things in the world, what the eyes see. And like I said, the desires of the flesh are within, and the, the eyes are what's coming from the outside, in. Then he moves on to a third thing that what the world can do to us if we, if we desire the things of the world and that is the pride of life. And this is the most serious and the most terrible out of the three. Pride is our downfall as a Christian and as a non-Christian. 
pride and arrogance. We need to be careful. What is the pride in our life? What is the pride of life in our own hearts? And the word translated life can refer to possessions or simply everyday life or livelihood. And just reading around, I like how someone puts it. The idea here then is something like this. Pride of life speaks of the attitude of someone. And this is a Christian. A Christian who says they know God, but they refuse to rely on God as Father when they get into a situation. They lean on their own understanding. They try to be wise in their own eyes. And they think they can do everything on their own. While they boast in what they have seemingly gained by themselves. It's amazing when people are in a crisis and they get out, they give the glory to someone else sometime. There's nothing wrong with, with appreciating a good doctor or a good friend or someone, thanking them, patting them on their back. But it's wrong if, if, you, if you just boast in them alone. It is self-dependence. It is self-glorification when we boast and we do things gain for ourselves. It is unholy conceit to view God's gifts as human achievements. I'll repeat that, what someone said. It is unholy conceit to view God's gifts as human achievements. It is boastful self-confidence in the ability to secure one's own life. It's the Christian saying this, I am what I am, not by the grace of God, but by my own achievements, and here I am. That's the Christian, boasting in himself. Which is a very serious and terrible sin to commit. But remember, the folk that John is writing to, they are caught up in this. They are boasting in sin. Because they, they, they've told us, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. If we say we have not sin, we make him a liar. And that's what these people in the church were saying. They were saying, you can know God, carry on living. God's forgiven you. Just live as you please. But we know that God has said in Scripture, far be it from us that we boast in anything except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to prevent pride of life creeping into the church. It's easy to get up at an annual general meeting and look back and say, wow, thank you church, look what we've done. And just push God out of the equation. Push His providence, His sovereignty God is not interested in what family we came from, how we look, what we own, whom we know, where we went to school or university, or how I've changed the world. What God our Father loves is when we boast in Christ Jesus and look more like His Son. That pleases Him. That honours Him. That's His purpose for saving us, to, to glorify in, uh, Him and enjoy Him. Show people this great God we serve. Show His kindness, His love. 
And, and if we are chasing after these things, it's not from the Father, but from the world. Again, it's possible that John is thinking of what's going, what went on in, in, in the Garden of Eden. When Eve saw the tree, she desired to take it. Why? Because it says its desire is to make one wise. That's what Satan told her. And she reached out in pride and she took possession of what she thought would enrich her life. But what she thought would make the wise brought death. Satan is always tempting us to believe that life can be found outside God's will. He's the deceiver of the whole world. But God is happy and pleased when we humble ourselves in Jesus. He's the one that taught us. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He's the one that came to serve and not to be served and give his life as a ransom for many. Scripture in our hearts is what defeats the pride of life in our hearts. So these three things, these little sub-points that, that came under our first main heading, the things that were there to, to um, conform us to the world, what the world does to us, these three things are so serious. We need to examine our own hearts to see if there's desire of the heart, desire of the, the flesh, the desires of the eyes. And the pride of life are they in our hearts it's been challenging to me but but john in verse 17 says and the world is passing away along with its desires but whoever does the will of god abides forever that's the second warning not to love the world why because where the world is going Not only does the world's attractions fail to satisfy us, but they cannot last. And why do they not last? Because the world is going somewhere. It's passing away. Why run after stuff that's not going to last? Why try to bring the whole world into our property and none of that stuff's going to last? It's like, this might be a stupid illustration, but it's like you are so desperate to get out of Cape Town on a ship and sail to America. But the captain of the ship says, listen here, there's a hole in the ship. Somewhere along the line, the ship's going to sink. It's going to pass away. Are you going to get on that ship? Are you going to take a risk and get on that ship that you know it's going somewhere and that's so many feet under the sea? Why do we love the world? Why do we jump into the world and embrace the things of the world where it's passing away? It's, 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 there's, no, there's no substance in this world. Maybe you don't know that it is passing away. Maybe this is new. Because Peter has told us in, in his one letter, his second letter, chapter 3, verse 7, but by the same world, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire. 
being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. The earth waits for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly people. The world is going to go up in fire. And Lord willing, a new heavens, a new earth, all this world will be restored. It's like the fire is going to purify everything and get rid of all the dross. And there we, live with the, there we are left with this pure, pure world where the righteous will dwell in glorified bodies. Again, God has warned us what's going to happen to this world. It's amazing that in Genesis chapter 9, our God told the world, don't worry, no more flooding is going to come and destroy this world. No great water is going to flood this world again. You can live on in peace. Yeah, floods come and go, but has any flood covered the highest mountain, Mount Everest in this world? Again? No. We wouldn't be here. But when Jesus returns, He's going to come and destroy the heavens and the earth by fire. This was prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 66, verse 15. For behold, the Lord, the Lord will come in fire and His chariots like the whirlwind to render His anger in fury and His rebuke with flames of fire. He's going to destroy this world that's passing away. The same author, John, in this letter, writes in the book of Revelation, Then I saw a new heaven and new earth, for the first earth had passed away then why do we still love this world the philosophies of this world the things of this world we try to have a conversation with an unbeliever and tell them straight this world is not permanent it's passing away they will tell him no you're speaking rubbish look this world is so solid Anything that's happening is if the, if the glaciers melt more, we might have a little bit of flooding, or the ozone layer, etc. But they will tell you this world is permanent. It's a beautiful world, which it is. Those that like hiking, they see God's creation. But as soon as we start design, desiring things more than God our Father, we are loving the world and we pushed God our Father out our hearts. Because there is a day when this world will be gone. And the pleasant attractions within this world will be gone as well. Everything's passing away. What future is there in loving the world? Clinging to the things of the world. There's no future. For me, my future is in eternal life. The new heavens and new earth. There's no future in this fallen world. It's fading, and it's soon going to be a forgotten world. But if we love the Father, like it says in verse 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. That meaning, whoever loves the Father will be doing the will of God, and they will live forever. They will abide with me in the new heavens and new earth eternally. And how do we show that we love our Heavenly Father? How do we show the world that we're not loving the world, but we're loving our Heavenly Father? Well, we look at this letter and we see John has already told us that we must keep 
God's word. We must walk in the same way as which Jesus walked. We must love our brothers and sisters. We've already looked at some of the contrasts. Love, hate. Not holding on to the truth. Not walking as we ought to walk, as Jesus walked. We need to obey God's word today. Because if we're holding fast the word and we're loving our brothers and sisters in Christ and we're walking in the same way in which Jesus walked, doing this is obeying God's will and following his purposes for our lives. And if we are obeying God's will, then we will live forever with our Heavenly Father in the new heavens and new earth. But again, there's a great warning in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the ones, or the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Meaning, we did ministry out there in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. See, we see each other, but we don't know what goes on in our hearts. We come and we assume we're all Christians. We all love the Lord because we're here. But are we consistent with that in the world, in our homes, in our workplaces, in the malls? Are we loving the world more and loving our Father less? Or do we love our Father and, 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 and just desire? And, and, and the word desire can also be positive. Our desire to be more godly. Our desire to, to, to do God's will more obediently. God, please forgive me. My desire is to love you more. But unfortunately, Father, I, I, I seem to be desiring this world more. The flesh, the eyes, and the pride of life. Scripture says, Why I love the world and lay out for ourselves treasures on earth that moth and rust destroy, when we can lay out for ourselves treasures in heaven. The choice is simple. We either are going to love our Father, or we're going to love the things of this world. The choice is ours. When you walk out that door, what is the challenge going to be? Is it going to be to repent? And ask God to forgive you? And ask Him for wisdom? To love Him more? And love the world less? It's amazing we don't sing these old hymns. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in, the wonderful, in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dumb. We don't look upon Jesus enough. We don't look to the author and perfecter of our faith enough. So that these things around us will grow strangely dumb. And the things of earth will grow strangely dumb in the light of his glory and grace. Wow, we serve a gracious and merciful Father who's poured out His love into our hearts so that we can put on the Lord Jesus Christ and not crave 
the desires of this world, the passions. Romans is such a, a beautiful letter, chapter 6. And I'll close with this. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. And again I repeat, as I close, this, this lovely verse. that saved a man like Augustine when it says, verse 14, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the, of the eyes, and the pride of life. If you love the world, the Father is not in you. It's the world that is in you. So will we take these two things to heart and be challenged by them and love our Father, knowing that through Him we have eternal life? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this serious passage where John warns us not to love the world or the things in the world. Help us, Father. Give us wisdom to not allow this world to consume us. We know we can enjoy this world, Father. We know that you put this world for us to live in, to enjoy the things you give us. But, Father, help us not to fall in love with them. Help us not to love them more and love you less. Please, Father, give, us, give each one of us here wisdom to trust you and to hold fast Jesus and his teachings and help us to stand up for the truth, these confessions of faith, and help us to desire you more and live by your word more, because that is doing your will, and that is knowing we will inherit eternal life. Father, please help us. Give us wisdom to let go of the worldly things. Help us, Father. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.